Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hotcast. I am your host, Ruben Tish. Joining me, as always, is RJ. RJ, we finally get to take a breath. But before we get a little bit of a breather, we should probably ask how you're doing and then talk about the last six weeks of Chicago Fire Soccer because it's been... It's been kind of a downward spiral, but before we get into that, we should find out, how are you doing? How am I doing? Well, I think everyone's getting some sort of summer flu right now, because towards the end of last week, I I wasn't out of it, but I got sick, and you got sick as well, and a lot of other folks I know got sick. Yeah, that's why we are recording this Wednesday night instead of our usual Tuesday night. But but apart from that, apart from the mystery flu, I mean, um, what else? I I tried the new uh, fries from Taco Bell. The uh, I don't know, the, some nacho fries. It was it was decent. Well, I, it's I, not, they're not the. It's not the first time the nacho fries have been. This is like the yeah. chili verde fries. I think so. That's, oh, okay, that's the new thing. How's and, the verde? Sorry, I, I I do want to point out though. I, I I tried the grimace shake. If you follow me on Twitter, I I posted the grimace shake. It it tastes like chemicals. I've like I eat a lot of trash. That's a proven fact. It's on the record and it's it's everywhere on the internet. But that that kind of killed me. Good I would trash not recommend bad, that. So bad trash. In terms of what I eat, or no, or that grimace shake. That what grimace it shake is, like. It tastes like chemicals. It tastes like chemicals. In a good way or a bad way? In a bad like... way. In a bad way. Okay. I think you. I think you asked me. It's like, does that taste like purple? It's like, yeah, purple tastes like chemicals. It tastes like chemicals. I mean, and I was just making know. a League of Legends joke. Oh, but you know what's? You know what's? I don't know. I don't even know. I was going to say some witty segue to uh, Fire's performance. That also tasted like chemicals. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, um, let's get into it. Uh, the first thing I want to say is I thought the first 25, 30 minutes were actually pretty good. Um, they looked engaged and they looked, um, they came out ready to play. And there was a couple of times where I thought they had, you know, a couple of decent scoring opportunities early. Um, but you know Patrick Schlute, I hope that's I hope I said their last name right. Is a is a very good, a very good Columbus player. I mean, I, he he blocked a couple of uh, Kamara shots. If I recall Schulte. correctly, huh? Schulte. Yeah, you pronounce Schulte. the yeah you pronounce the T. Yeah, he blocked a couple of shots early, and then <clears throat> for the fire, the wheels just kind of fell off. Um, you, you could tell that they spent like the last five, six weeks playing Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, uh, because they looked tired after half an hour. Um, their legs were, um, heavy. Their touches especially were heavy. Um, and you know, uh, they they really sort of seeded the game to the Columbus crew. And while um, 
at halftime, the game was scoreless and um, uh, it was, you know, uh, uh, a decent thing, except for Miguel Navarro's uh, yellow card there at the end. Um, what was a pretty decent showing in the first half, the wheels sort of fell off in the second. Um, I didn't think the substitutions were all that great. Um, but again, you know, looking at the lineup for the fire and, and looking especially at their bench, um, they really didn't have any other options. I think maybe you bring in Christian Dean at some point for um, Suke. Maybe could have helped, but like Shabilko, Kutsias, Torres, Herbers, they all came in. No, and, uh, I, I think even if you bring in Dean and not under that formation, not under. We can talk four. about the formation. We'll trust, trust. We'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that like looking at the substitutions and the way they played. Um. It just, to me, feels like that they they couldn't do what they they didn't have the legs to do what needed to be done. Um, and that's a little depressing because uh, this loss, um was not about the the players really it was it, this was a loss um because of the front office and roster construction i i think it's it's well it's mostly that but it's also well i i guess it is True that you really can't blame the players under the circumstances that you know the fire there and right now. We'll and, talk uh, about effort and and why I think about that in a second. But go ahead, continue. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we we can tie this all in together. I mean, but but at the same time, towards the end, they they sort of just gave up. I mean, that that wonder goal and you know the ninetieth plus whatever minute, if the fire, you know could have pressed just a little bit more i don't think that goal would have happened um which i did not see by the way because my internet died (laughs) right after the goal that was called back for offside that columbus scored um my internet died so i didn't see the last goal i saw it later obviously but as it was happening i didn't um yeah, but and here's the reason why I don't blame the players for last night because if you look at the game in terms of effort it was kind of special cuz if if you think about like like look at the goal Shakiri scored, right? Miguel Navarro for 20 minutes 
before that goal could not run. He was cramping. He maybe has some, he had some hamstring tightness maybe as well. Like he had one leg. And then he finds something to make that run and hit that cross that Shakiri scored on. And, and for all the crap we give Miguel Navarro, like, you know, maybe, you know, we talked about Aceves coming in in the offseason and maybe challenging for starting minutes because, you know, maybe his quality is a little better and he's a, he's a little better defender maybe than Miguel Navarro. Especially at wing back. Um he plays ninety minutes, you know, like when the like I, I hate cause when you start praising players for their effort, it's really, really bad. Things have gone really wrong. I just think back to like the twenty twenty one team or like the first year of the our podcast in twenty eighteen where we praised the club's effort a lot. You know what I mean? Like Definitely. Yeah. But like Miguel Navarro played for 90 minutes, you know, 25 of which were on one leg, and he ends up getting in, rewarded with an assist. So for for I I don't know how like there's there's a lot of things to criticize Miguel Navarro, but he's good at drawing fouls and getting himself out of trouble defensively once he, the ball turns over. And you know, he's he he plays with a lot of guts, and I think that that is um, something that that should be noted, and 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 something that we should praise him and the rest of the team for. Um, is for um playing, even though they were playing terribly. They, you know, uh, there was one response to a tweet that was added at me during the game about asking me if that was the worst performance of the season. And the answer is no, because the team played hard against Columbus. They just were playing on, you know, they were running out of gas. Um, And like I said, that is a roster construction issue that's George Heights and Sebastian Peltzer not properly equipping the team with enough tools to play that kind of schedule in a year where if you made a cup run you were likely going to have to play that schedule Um, and like looking at their schedule coming up we sort of did this uh last week a little bit um but you know there's a wednesday saturday coming up and then they play one two three four four games in july uh until they get a week break for the League's Cup. They play four games and you know, play the first, they play the ninth, they play the twelfth, and they play the fifteenth before the League's Cup starts on the twenty-seventh. So it's it's not like they don't have another congested schedule coming up. Um and then they play six games in September. 
with three in August and then three in October. So it's a pretty congested schedule and, and it's a failure of the front office that they, they, they relied on Academy kids who are not ready at the bottom end of their roster. Um, and maybe it's the coaching staff for not playing them, but like, Victor Pizarro was hurt until recently. The same for Sergio Orahel and um, Javier Casas. So I don't know. Um, so let's talk about the the you know the failure of the front office here, RJ. What? I don't understand how you could see this coming and not do anything about it. I don't either. And I think, you know, we've talked about this at news and, you know, previous episodes, the, the, I mean, these schedules are what released well in advance. I mean, they can still build, I mean, they can still build the roster. They, the MLS transfer window is really forgiving. It's really, you know, it's out there. I, I don't know. I really don't know why or how. I don't know what goes on in the heads of, you know, George Heights and the other man's name escaping me right Sebastian now. Sebastian Peltzer. Sebastian Peltzer, who's, you know, we don't talk about a lot. So, you know, forgive me. I, and even from a business sense, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if the club was strapped for cash, then yeah, sure, why not? But the club isn't strapped for cash. I just don't know why or how. I, I think Heights thinks he's clever. I would agree. I think he's too clever for his own good. I think mm -hmm. he can probably get away with this, I don't know, some league out there. Not MLS, not how, you know not how it's structured, not how the rules are structured. And, and yeah, I, I think he's just too clever for his own good. With how competitive the league is structured, you would think that they would try their very best to win every year because it's right there for you. It's so easy to turn around in MLS. Look at Cincinnati, right? We're talking... They went through what the fire went through in the middle of the 2000s right away with their back-to-back -back wooden spoons or whatever. And look at them now, just, you know, yeah, one season in between. Right? Yeah, then they're top of the Eastern Conference, right? So it's doable. Um, But the problem is they're just not, they're not doing it. And... What I don't understand is why the fire can't get the right football people going all the way back to the hiring of Brian Bliss uh, in, you know, 2013. Why can't they hire the right football people? To, to put a coaching staff and a roster out here who can win. Like, we know with Andrew Hopman is because he was too stupid, essentially. Um, you know, 
he he was too stupid and and he sort of knew that he didn't know and hired basically hired the people that MLS told him to uh all the way up t- through Brian Bliss to um I forget who it was after Brian Bliss but like that period and then Nelson Rodriguez I don't think there was anyone actually in between Brian Bliss and Nelson Rodriguez I think we were I think the club was just in limbo like that's fair management wise I yeah. I, know, I I really but like, really like he no. basically hired who MLS told him to, and uh, Joe Mansueto, Joe Mansueto, <laughs> on his first front office hire, went outside to Europe, uh, and got an executive who swung and missed on all of the big signings. His now, where I differ from a lot of people with George Heinz is like like we keep saying, I think his small signings have worked out pretty well. But you can't miss on the big signings in MLS, and that's where he missed. That's where he's missed. Um, and it it's it, it's upsetting to me that we have to keep talking about this, but we have to keep talking about this. Um you know, well, actually I'm gonna be really bold here. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that whatever signings that will happen this summer for the fire won't change a thing, at least for this season. Well, I've always I, I've said for a couple of years now that um the big year is um the the big year is uh 2024 because that's the year we get the red shirts back that's you know um so uh, i think we said that the fire won't win anything until they get the red shirts back so. yes that's my contention but they can still put a roster out there that's competitive you know top to bottom because i like i, I still think the top of this roster is one of the the better rosters in Major League Soccer, right? Like your your base starting eleven, fresh, um, you know, is better than a lot of MLS teams. Um, before we get into the summer transfer tar- uh, window and transfer targets and and what on the field the club needs uh, let's go ahead and thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash the lantern um helps us out we thank you a lot for your um donations uh it really helps cover expenses and the like um and we really appreciate it uh tim hotse caleb Barron, steven samson Alyssa scarpelli jeff mettendorf tim w will gatziolis Chaucer's Jog, Mark Jacake is Doug, Sean Click, Shy Smorgan, Cameron Banga, MMC, Ron Bandish, Audrius, Kyle Johansson, Adam Todd, Liam Harding, Jonathan Robb, David May, Cristiano EEUU, Joseph, Chris Lintop, Rod Bordigan, Sam Mitten, Craig Tower. Uh, thank you very much for all of your uh 
Patreon subscriptions. We really appreciate it. Okay. Transfer window talk time. Um, actually, you know what? We should probably talk about Messi. Um, so from a fire angle my thoughts are do you think with Messi signing that that should pressure the fire to make a director of football slash head coaching decision before the July transfer window opens? Um, I think it's... I don't know. I don't think it's... I think it's too late. I think if they if they do, then probably at the end of the season. With Messi, it really... I don't even know. I don't. I mean, yeah, I really don't know how this is going to affect the fire, at least this season. To be quite honest with you. Well, well, here's my thought. Like I said, the roster at the top end is pretty good, and they have a DP slot open. If you're gonna follow the Messi signing with a big name, kind of like how they followed Beckham with Blanco. If you're going to try and do that and go out and get someone like Lukaku <laughs> or I don't know, you Jesse probably Lingard. maybe, but like, like, you know, go get, if not a big name, um, a, a, a designated player that can impact either this league's cup run if they want to make a league's cup run or try and dig them out of this hole in the second half of the season, which we know, and we have talked about four years on this show is possible. Like they can pull a Seattle Sounders. Uh, so if we're running on that, then you've got to get a director of football who can come in and who can make who can shape start shaping the team the way he wants and um a manager if they're not the same person but they're probably going to be the same person who knows what he wants and can make something with the talent this team has um and i think the the messy signing just it it has to accelerate the timeline. Um, I, at least I would would think that that's what that does, right? Sounds like you are still cleaning hope for twenty twenty three. I mean, I am in the sense that it's unlike it is unlikely possible you know what i mean i mean yeah because it's on the last that that's the beauty of this league say what you will about everything else but 
you know, going back with our previous example, FC Cincinnati, literal tin pot bums now the top of the top of the Eastern Conference. But I, I don't know. I just don't see it with this current team unless there's a big overhaul. You you can get a new manager, you can get anyone, but if Heights is still in control, then of course, you know, Heights doesn't dictate the tactics at the end of the day, but he dictates everything else that leads up to those tactical decisions. Right. But my my question and my my thought is if you hire a new manager and director of football, same person, two different people, whatever, if you do that, can you save the season? No, I don't think so. Maybe I I think if you hire someone now, they'll, you know, come in knowing that the season's a wash and you know, next season's where it starts. Um, I mean, they'll, they'll be, they'll basically be here just to get a feel out of the club, feel out of the city, etc. whatever, but I don't think they're going to do anything impactful until next season. And I will love to eat my words. You know, I want to be proven wrong. I hope I'm proven wrong, but as of right now, I don't see anything changing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're right, obviously. Like, I'm sort of being Mr. Optimistic here. I get that, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I might be idealistic, but I'm not stupid. I get that the season is probably over at this point. I understand that. However, I truly believe that in MLS anything can happen because I've seen it. I've seen the Colorado Colorado Rapids win MLS to Cup after taking zero shots. I've seen it. Okay? For my <laughs> So I think that nothing is impossible. And if they know who they want to hire and are able to hire them, it is better to do it before the summer transfer window than after the season. If it's Jim Curtin and they're just waiting for his contract to run out and they're okay I, I with, you know, sacrificing the rest of the season to hire Jim Curtin, if Jim Curtin is their guy, well, they better get if they better make sure they get Jim Curtin. Right, exactly. Um, but I, I just don't want them to go into that October 4th game against Inter-Miami where there's going to be forty to 50,000 people at Soldier Field if, if that game is at Soldier Field. Because there's some question because there's a Bears game there uh, the Sunday before. So it might be moved to SeatGeek. Who knows? Uh, well, that, that would be hilarious. Listen, but... Messi having to play at SeatGeek would be a, uh, a funnier outcome. Um, 
but they're selling tickets for Soldier Field, so I assume that at the games at Soldier Field. If, I mean, if they're they're, they're going to make sure that and that happens at Soldier Field. No, sure. Matter. I mean, the, the city will bend over for that to occur at Soldier Field, and I, I can't wait till Kendall Burks, you know, bullies him off the pitch. That'll be that'll be glorious. You've made that joke several no, times, but it's going to happen. If I keep saying it's going to happen, uh huh. I don't know. Um, but like I I just think I like I think that um it's a good idea to at least think about accelerating your timeline if you can get somebody. Maybe the US men's national team job gets filled. There was some talk today about Patrick Vieira maybe taking the job. Although I honestly still think it's it's Burhalter who's still the front runner for the job. Um but if if Joe Mansueto is targeting people who are also in line for that job, um once that job is filled, then I think you've got to think about not having Frank Klopas finish out the year and hire your permanent manager. That's that's just kind of my thoughts on the on the matter. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? No, I mean, I I think uh, well going back to Messi. I think he'll provide a nice bump for the league. But after those two to three years are up, I mean, of course, they'll still have that messy, you know, wave. I I don't think that he's going to be as impactful as Beckham. Do you think he his bump goes away? I don't think his bump will go away. But I think Beckham... Will probably. I mean, I mean, Beckham has left. Well, you know, it's it's hard to tell right now. But at least what I'm trying to say is, out of Beckham and Messi, I think Beckham will overall leave a bigger legacy, or some, you know, to MLS than Messi. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's uh, it's a little bleak to think about. But maybe after we have a week off. And the team have a week off, and if they look really good and maybe even get a point or three in Portland, we'll be feeling a little better about this. No. <laughs> no. I'm no. trying, man. I'm trying so I know hard. you're trying. It's just that. Let's, I'm trying. let's just accept the reality right now, and then we'll be better off. All right. Fair enough. That's our show for this week. You can find me on Twitter and tell me I'm a fool at Ruben Tish. You can find the show at uh, the Hotcast. You can find RJ on Twitter at RGA underscore zero two. Um, we might have a show next week, depending on what there is to talk about. Uh, there was the um, this biz- interview with the business head of the business guy at the fire that went up on their website i didn't get a chance to read it today uh, because i spent the day mostly sick and asleep 
Um, but maybe we can talk about that next week and talk about, you know, other stuff. How, what, what, what can we talk about that's good? We can talk about the business prospects. Maybe we could talk about the training facility that's happening that might help in the down in the future. We can talk about Chicago Fire too, who are playing pretty well actually. And we could we could do all that stuff next week. And uh, maybe we will. We'll see you then. Bye everybody. Yeah.